0: All right, so I there, once again, I was expecting a countdown, but there's no countdown, so we're just going to jump right in. Uh, so welcome to the second episode of The Signal, our official Signal Awards podcast hosted by none other than yours truly, uh, the managing director, DeAndre Royster. Hello, but this is not about me. Um, you know, I wanted to do the intro for these to be super organic and like, you know, super like not form, non-formal, I guess more conversational. Um, So with that being the case, I just want uh, everyone to understand how excited I am to have these particular two guests on because like this is like I've been brainstorming this podcast has been living in my mind since I got over to Recognition Media or Webby Group or Signal. um, However, you kind of like recognize our platform or, you know, our company. But I'm super excited because I've been following this podcast even before I was at Signal. So I'm just going to move out of the way for the intro and let you two introduce yourselves because I promise I wouldn't do it any kind of justice Feel, feel
1: free to go ahead and jump in. Uh, I guess I'll start. My name is Brad Williams. I'm the creator, uh, head writer, executive producer of Once Upon a Wasteland, which is a post-apocalyptic science fiction romance audio drama. We've been around since October of 2021. We just finished our second season, and it is a real pleasure to be here.
2: I am Vitriol, and I am a co-producer, and I also voice one of the characters on the show, Odessa Valdez. Thank you so much for having us.
0: No, thank you both for joining. Um, so listen, all right. As a fan, I'm not I'm, I'm not going to try to nerd out. I'm just going to make this like, super, like I'm going to act like I don't know anything, all right? But the first thing that I do want to say is congratulations to you both. Obviously, you are inaugural Signal Award winners, uh, a part of our very first year uh, not only was your you know involvement very well noted publicly. Look at I didn't even look at it. Oh my god! I see the case. Look at it. Oh, another award. This, this is this is beautiful. This is organic. I <laughs> we did not plan this. We did not plan this. Uh, this was all my chance. Uh, actually, it's so crazy because when we launched the podcast, um, the award started to flow, and I had no idea until I had Jamie on, and then now you all have yours. Um, and this is super. This is a very surreal surreal moment for me and kind of like a wraparound because like, you know, coming in, like being new to Signal, Signal being new to the world, to see now everything like so tangible and like in everyone's hands. And this is like an idea that we had and to see it in the world living in the way that it's become, uh, it's, it's just like, I try not to get emotional, so bear with me. Um, but I'm super excited to see everything manifest itself in this incredible fashion. Uh, and also, so with that being the case, congratulations on your award for the inaugural year. Uh, very well noted. Everyone um, has been sharing everything on Twitter. You all are super hands on when it comes to social media, which is very rare. Some podcasting people like obviously you have to kind of be involved or engage to a degree. But you all in, in, engage with your with your fans and followers and listeners or, you know, anyone else who finds your work and shares or comments. You all engage like in real time. And we're going to get to that in a second. But first and foremost, how has how did you find out about Signal? Let's just start there. What was the first time you were like? Hmm, signal awards like was it through uh, another award property was it through social media was it through word of mouth uh like what was the actual finding out process for you two?
1: so early on in making a podcast and this is the first audio drama podcast that i've done one of the things that i wanted to look around for because people had sort of mentioned uh just in passing that hey there are awards that exist out there so i started to look for different awards that were you know, that existed out in the world and it may have been through the Webby's that I found out about the Signal Awards. There may have been a link on the Webby site saying, hey, there's also this new thing that we're doing. So it, it really was just through looking around, asking people, trying to find out what was out there. And it's, it's funny because uh, not knowing a lot about the different awards as I, as I was going through, I actually said, and V can, can vouch for this, I said, well, okay, listen. And I know it doesn't work this way, but if I have to choose one award to win or a, an award from one organization, to win, I want it to be the Signal Awards, because that seemed like I don't want to say the, the most big time, but it just it, it felt the most prestigious, even though it was the inaugural year. There was something about the way that everything was pre- presented and having the pedigree of the Webbies also helps. But that that was and the other part of that is the flip side is uh, what I saw who the other shows and the other organizations that were nominated were I, my immediate thought was I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> <laughs> like, cause I, like even before the nomination process happened, I looked through the directory and I saw, well, this is, you know, Apple and you know, all these people with, you know, budgets and like professional right. writers and, and, and well, things right. like that. I'm like, okay. And I thought, Hey, listen, it's a lesson learned. This is my first time. I didn't know about any of this stuff, but Hey, it's it's still a good experience. And I even told the cast, the day before nominations came out, I said, hey, I just wanna let you guys know, nominations are, for the Signal Awards are coming out tomorrow. We are not going to get nominated, but I don't want you to take any of that as, as a statement on what you have done. Cause I'm, I'm really proud of you. Cause I, 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 I am really proud of, of what we have right. all accomplished together. And then I got the email that, that we did get nominated for, for best writing. I was like, about that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you were kind of mitigating expectations at
2: that yeah.
1: point like
0: you know sell low you know sell low win high <laughs> that's kind of one of those things
1: under uh, promise wanna, and over deliver
0: right that's exactly <laughs> that's what i meant to say too that is the the best way to probably say it so v were you uh, so when you got the news from brad were you like oh my goodness like we're not going to win this thing or do you just like you're like no i believe in us wholeheartedly so we wanna, we're gonna <laughs> oh. walk away with something out of there
2: once we got nominated I, I was like that that's our win is just being nominated i never expected to win considering who we were up against and that we you know, are are not as professional necessarily you know we're,
0: we're
2: I, I mean I, certainly brad is a lot more professional than me you know i don't really have a background that would lead me to be a producer or be an actress. So this is kind of a, a new world for me. So I was happy with the nomination and then winning just uh, has been an amazing experience and not at all expected.
0: Thank you so much. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that I identify with as well. I think as we continue to flesh out like all of these different sectors of the podcast industry, it's like we're still being who we are because there wasn't much structure in terms of like how you present yourself how you show up like even you know being in this role i still there's a part of me who's like super podcast oriented and i'm like very informal you know very learn as i go you know very hands-on let's break something and fix it and then create something on the way for whatever it's going to become and then there's this other side where the industry is like very well put together and there's a lot of jargon and certain terms that they use and you know everyone's like super informal and they're like walking into these busy, busy rooms or these events and i'm like super casual so sometimes it is like kind of a clash of two different worlds as podcasting emerges itself, and I think like, you know, and I think you hit the nail on the, head, the nail on the head, V, where it's like, okay, I may not be of like right, that cloth, but I'm a podcaster, I'm an audio creator, right? So I'm not this person who comes from this very antiquated background, this like formulaic way of doing things. So like, how has that been now? As once upon a wasteland has become so much more prominent in the podcasting world now, after winning an award and where you are now. How has the beginning, and we'll get back to how it started, but just like where you are now, how has it kind of shaped your journey the way that you are? Like, as people find out about you and they reach out to you, like now, how do you, do you feel like now, like, okay, I'm, I'm comfortable being myself in this space, or do you still kind of have to polish yourself up? I quote unquote polish yourself up. I think you are amazing, confident professionals. That's just me. But <laughs> like, how, how now do you, with the new recognition and also the, the new ways of, of, of fans and listenership, how now do you integrate newcomers into the fold and still be yourselves at the same time?
1: Well, one of the things about me is it's it's hard for me to not be who i am it's and I guess that's I like good it. because I guess there is some authenticity there, but also in in situations where I think there is an expectation to to not be fake but to be. A particular kind of a way in the way that you interact and, and the way that you conduct yourself or even the way you dress like you like you mentioned all those kinds of things so i think that that part of it hasn't really changed and i think that helps make us maybe a little bit more approachable in in the way that we interact like we don't one thing and again v can vouch for this one thing that i hate more than anything is i don't like the feeling that i'm being big-timed
0: i that, hate that feeling really.
1: exactly like oh, that that God. will set me off like like almost nothing else so I'm careful, not not thinking that I'm someone who's in a position to big time anybody anyway, but I, I want to make sure that when I interact with people, I I, I get across that they are important because right. they are. Anybody who listens to the show is important. Somebody who takes the time to reach out to us, whether it's to ask a question or to ask for a collaboration or anything like that, that, that's important and that person is important. And I want to make sure that they... That they understand that whenever they deal with us, and that that goes back to what you were talking about about sort of being hands on in the way that we interact with people on social media or in even in in private channels.
0: Awesome. And, and UV, same question proposed to UV: like, how how are you like maneuvering around this like this new wave of like notoriety and all these wins and now being like a, a growing name brand, becoming one of like one of the leaders in this industry? Um, I I still.
2: Definitely feel the same. You know, I don't feel that I am any different, or I'm approaching the space any differently. Uh, but I will say that I have been interacting a lot more frequently with other podcasters, and in general, the space is such a welcoming, friendly space where people honestly seem to want to collaborate and help each other, and that has been really refreshing. So I would like to certainly continue that. Uh, as I move throughout the community is try to just echo that and be welcoming and friendly, collaborate when possible and make sure that we are still being our authentic selves in this space.
0: I think that's amazing. I think, you know, even when I see you all respond to people on Twitter, obviously I'm on Twitter a lot, probably too much, but um, too. I, I, think, I, I love how authentic you all are. It's not like, you know, you all are super personable. like we were DMing or inboxing For like a very long time like to the point where i i I probably came off super informal a a handful (laughs) of times while responding to maybe some questions and i was like wait let me put my you know professional suit on my face on because it's like man they might be thinking like this guy is loose like he's just playing it fast um no but all jokes aside i I do think that's amazing because i think that as podcasting becomes more prominent in all like even in the award sector but just everywhere else it's like we still owe it to ourselves to be the same way if anyone saw us outside at a happy hour. You know, we'd still be talking about or fanning out about the same thing. Our cadence would still be the same. Our rhetoric would still be the same. And, you know, we'd be super informative. And, you know, I think that's the thing I love about podcasting as a medium. As much as it's grown, like people like yourselves represent us to the point where, like, we're everyday people. Now, obviously, you're going to be super famous, right? You're going to have all this notoriety. and People are going to want to take pictures and follow you and ask for collaboration and all of these, you know, extensive things. And learning how to, like, maneuver through that, I think, is probably the biggest process that comes with, you know, more discoverability or more listenership, right? So one of the other questions I wanted to ask you all is, like, what, what was your origin from – obviously, people see you now, and they're like, wow, this is amazing. The podcast sounds incredible. The writing's incredible. The audio creativity around it is incredible. The craft around it is amazing. Like, there's no weak spots on your podcast, and I think that's phenomenal because all of my podcasts have weak spots all around at some point. Um, but from where you are at this point now, is I'm admiring you. I'm pretty sure everyone else is. What was your origin in terms of getting into podcasting? Like, I know you uh, obviously have some type of technical background when it comes to sound and then the writing side as well, but just kind of a good <laughs> Brad's face is describing everything, right? He's like, listen, I don't know if I got that. But I'm sure there's some origin that lended itself to you all because or maybe it's just trial and error up until this point, you've got vastly great in such a small amount of time, which listen, that's what Signal Award winners are, right? They're amazing people. Um or amazing creators, I should say. Um so talk a bit about your origins and like kind of how that all started for you all.
1: Well I can I can start off. Um so I do have a little bit of a background in media. My undergraduate degree is a broadcast journalism degree from the SI Newhouse School of Public Communication at Syracuse. So I I do have.
0: I love that.
1: So I I do have some level of familiarity with that. I've done TV. Um, You know, so that part of it, I was at least comfortable with going in. And I do have some background as a screenwriter and a, uh, and an actor doing a little bit of TV here and there and doing some writing for TV. So I, I was familiar with, with some of the nuts and bolts of that part of it. And I also sort of knew that I had the, the desire to be a, a writer and, you know, somebody who, who tells stories. And I also knew those nuts and bolts and how to format a screenplay and do those kinds of things. So right. for, for about 25 years though, I put that down. I sent a pitch off in 1997, I think, and it didn't get any traction. And I, that was the sort of the, the turning point where I thought, okay, listen, this is not going to be a career for me. I need to concentrate on getting a day job, doing that, and, you know, having a good life. And I've done that. I, I, I have a good job. Um, I'm, I'm not rich. <laughs> that, I mean, would nice, that would be but, nice, but, but, you but, you know, <laughs> I'm... I'm
0: yeah. I'm sure it's in the mix, but go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> I, I have a, you know, I have a comfortable middle class existence, and that's great. Um, and, and it enables me to do this as a, as, as something that I enjoy. Um, you know, right. I'm in a position to do, that and that's great. But in any case, on Reddit in early 2001, there was a somebody in the Fallout 76 subreddit put out a casting call and said hey, I need voice actors for this podcast that I'm doing. And I thought, hey, I, it's been a long time since I did it. It's no pressure. It's not a, a paid thing. So I'll throw yeah. my hat at the ring. I'll audition and, and and see how that goes. So I auditioned for that, got the role, and that podcast is called The Botus Files. And it's a, a one of the feature roles that's that's in that. So the, the creator of that, Lawrence, he encouraged me to flesh out Uh, characters and maybe write some, some scenes involving those characters, those kinds of things. So I did that. And he eventually said, Hey, you know, you should consider maybe making your own audio drama. And I thought, I mean, I know I could write it. Um, How do I get actors? Or I, I, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't say it that way. I knew how to get actors, but how do I, how do I make this a compelling enough thing that people want to be in it? And also I had literally never done any sound editing or sound design in my life, none, not once are you serious <laughs> yeah so so I had to i I had to kind of I had to kind of figure that out as I went along uh and 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 you can hear, I think because i I did listen back about I was bringing my son back from college and I listened to several episodes on the drive there and the drive back, and I could hear that aspect of it improving in quality, so it's like yeah I, I figured things out. And got better at it as i went and you know took more chances and tried different things so you know I, I going back to understanding how some of the nuts and bolts of this kind of thing works even though it's a completely different medium i put the casting call out didn't get a lot of bites on my casting call which is which is normal yeah but but i got keep-
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but i got lucky uh for one of the rules i at lawrence had somebody reach out to him somebody who's very prominent in the Fallout community, uh, Letitia Lemon, who plays Beth in the in, in the show. She reached out and she was interested based on the strength of the, of the first two scripts that I wrote. And then there was another actress who had appeared in the Modus Files Halloween episode. And it was almost a, just a, a, that episode was all her. And I thought, if I can get her, and I already have Letitia, this has a chance to be something special. Because the show I knew was going to really hinge on those two characters, in and of themselves, as well as their relationship, and right. that person, of course, is on the call right now. Uh, she did agree to do it, uh, <laughs> and the rest, as they say, has been history. But but I but I will say that was how V started off with the show as one of the mm-hmm. one of the lead actors. Wow. But, very, but but very quickly she grew into someone who became very important on the production side uh really helping me with with the writing the uh, she did sensitivity reads for me which is very important considering some of the subject matter that we that we hit <laughs> uh offering me just just general story guidance you know, I can bounce something off her like hey, what do you think of this and she would and she was, always offers uh very very good feedback and feedback that I know is always honest right and that is one, that is one of the most important things that you could have in any kind of a collaboration like this so she and that role has only grown as, as time has gone on, gone on, so she is in, extremely important to this to this whole process and what we have been able to achieve.
0: That is incredible, and Viva for you too. Feel free to chime in at any time. So sure. you, you see yeah. this, so you see this open call, and you're like, you know what? I'm already killing it out here. Let me just go ahead and extend myself to this amazing new podcast that I'm impressed. By. You've seen the write up, obviously, in the ad, and then so just talk a little bit about like you know you before seeing this uh, this open sure. call, and then kind of like after your journey up until
2: now. I had existed previously in the fallout space as a general content creator. And I stream frequently on Twitch and I was streaming a lot of fallout content. And I was interacting with some other fallout podcasts, not uh, as an actress, but just as a fan. And I saw the Modus Piles posted a call for actresses. And I was like, oh, I can do that. This is a really short. role. It's going to be fun. It's just going to be something silly. And then he reached out for a couple other roles. And I ended up getting the Halloween episode, which was something that was very exciting and a very, very large part. And then Brad reached out to see if I wanted to come on for Once Upon a Wasteland. And I honestly signed on thinking no one would ever listen to this podcast. And I could still be kind of like invisible and, you know, just sink into the background and just have some fun with it. And now that people are listening, uh, it's it makes me nervous. <laughs> i I don't know that I really was ready for that, you know, and my background is I'm a biologist and I worked in a neurosurgery research laboratory and I'm currently a teacher. So uh, I do have skills as far as like writing and editing but not necessarily in a production, you know, my I, my skills I, are for a totally different set. Um, so I, this definitely was unexpected. And even when I auditioned, I uh, I felt that I really should not have gotten the role of Odessa because I felt that it should have gone to a person of color because, uh, you know, she's not a white woman and I am. So I said, please give it to someone else if someone else auditions. And I think there were, what, maybe only four, if that, uh, people that auditioned So I did end up getting it.
1: Yeah. I'd have to look back as I recall there. I don't even think it was four. I, Mm -hmm. I think there were only, there were only one or two. And I think none for Beth, if or maybe one for Beth. So, yeah, but that's the thing. And that's one thing that I learned. You know, we we learn as we go. Something that I didn't realize is it's it can be very difficult to get people to audition for a new project, especially from a new creator, because so many projects out there, especially volunteer projects, never happen. And you invest all this time and you invest all this effort and then nothing comes out of it. So people are reluctant to audition for something like that. And someone told me that one of the, uh, Dora, who's, who's a, a member of our cast who plays, who plays uh, Layla Romani in our, in our cast. She told me that and as soon as she said, it, I was like, well, okay, that makes perfect sense. I, w- I should have realized that. But now like when we did our season two casting call, we had, it was in the triple digits. I, I don't remember mm-hmm. the exact number, but I was, I was overwhelmed. Unfortunately, I have a very capable co-producer to help me go through the, <laughs> to go through the auditions and and one of the one of those characters was actually very important to odessa's story and i really leaned on v to to help me go through that because it wasn't just the quality of the audition there was also there you have to worry about chemistry and you have to worry about fit and and also knowing who this character was and was going to be does that performance fit and and we made a we made a really strong choice
2: absolutely
0: yeah i mean that's one of the things that i can probably say about once upon a wasteland that. I think that's the next level in podcasting. I think generally, if, if I'm like a podcast novice or I'm not too familiar with the landscape, normally like what you see that goes viral or the clips that goes viral are normally like talk-based podcasts. But the mm-hmm. things that I've seen in the most recent, probably two to three years that have taken off and been incredibly successful in what, what I like to kind of call the cinematic side, the audio cinematic side of podcasting where you have these amazing storylines, these different personalities, Right. And and they all are. And that's one thing that I love so much about Wasteland is the layers that you all have that you've been able to construct through a pure audio base. Now, obviously, this kind of lends itself to being this could turn into a movie or like a TV show, you know, Mm -hmm. right. And so like, but I love how pure audio it is. And one of the things that I want to talk about, too, and I'm so happy you all talked about characters and archetypes and the development between the storylines from season to season is how do you maintain the clarity in terms of storylines without the visual aspect, right? Because there's a lot of things that you all will touch on that mainly visual components to kind of help illustrate it or get the point across a little bit. Does that make writing in your experience, Brad, a little bit more tough in the podcasting world versus like maybe like film or like television or just like a visual medium?
1: It, it was, uh, it was an adjustment, but I, I, I think that one of the things that there's, there's a couple things that I, that I, I I look back at, <clears throat> and one of them is trust your audience, right. so I think if you trust your audience you you understand that the the audience is smart, the people that are listening to your show are smart, they're going to pick up on context clues. Whether that's a sound effect that you have, or something that someone says that isn't directly, because you don't want to have your characters walk in and go, "Oh, look, it's a box. I should open." The, you know, th- right? Th- that's
0: that's uh... it, like, all the time, right? Right.
1: Yeah. So so it's and, and the other part is show don't tell, which is uh, uh, an important rule. And obviously, you're not showing anything in an audio only format but what what that means in an audio format is you're not explicitly describing everything that's happening in the soundscape so what you're what you're trying to do is give those context clues to people based on what people are saying and based on the sound effects or even the direction that a sound is coming from all those kinds of things and it does sort of it it forces you to tell the story in a different way since you're you're not visualizing and what you're what you're trying to do is you're trying to build that stage in the listener's mind so that they can make their own version of that story. And that's, for me, that's really where the magic happens. And I don't want to step on that in any way, in the way that I, that I put anything out there. I want them to be able to build that because what they can build in their mind is better than anything that I can write down and describe to them.
2: It is is a challenge too, because our show doesn't have a narrator. So we don't have someone that can tell you where you are and right, one thing right. I struggle with is how do we tell the audience what location we're in, especially if characters are moving? How do you know where they're going to without the characters stating where they're going? So that's something that we always have to think about. And I, I try to look for as I'm reading, you know, can we pick up on where characters are or what they're doing? Uh, and, and Brad, you do a great job of that. I think that for the most part, it's, it's, it's pretty obvious where characters are, because I think maybe some characters are less likely to move than others. So it's almost like you ground certain characters to know if you're speaking to them, you're in this location. Mm -hmm. If you're somewhere else, you know, that character is maybe not there. Although in the second season, I think that, uh, definitely gets a little confusing.
1: Yeah. Well, (laughs) and like one, one thing that you can do, a little piece of audio shorthand is I always use the same ambient track, the same background Mm -hmm. sounds for each location. So Amanda's bar has a certain soundscape and whether it's empty or whether there are people there, if you're at someone's home, that's going to have a particular specific ambient track. So what I hope is when we establish where we are in certain scenes that when people hear, oh, this particular room tone just subconsciously triggers a thing like, oh, I'm at Beth's house. So that's, that's one of those, those really subtle things that you can, can kind of do. And you can do that with day versus night. You, know, you, you can't see whether the sun's out or not, but what you can do is you can have a different amount of birdsong in a scene or a different amount of uh, people walking by if you're in a public place. Those, those kinds of subtle things, I think, can really drive that kind of thing home. And, and again, you know, going back, helping the, the, the listener construct what they're seeing in, in their mind.
0: So that, so that are basically like building that continuity between like transition of where characters are, not only just like an emotional state or growth state, but also just like physically where they are, and you know spatially right throughout the day, and then this whole instance of you know, and this is this is kind of becoming a masterclass. So I'm I'm loving this. Thank you all so much for this insight because my the main thing that I want people to take away from the Signal podcast, if you know they're tuning in for the first time, second time, how many ever time. Is that the creatorship behind a lot of these award-winning podcasts aren't just like your are running a mill type podcast? Because one of the things that I think is so intricate, and as a person who's been in audio my entire career in media in some terms, in some form or uh, in some form or way, is that the development of sounds over over an elongated time to me are super important. Because before you see anything, you hear things, right? So to be able to get all of your senses involved through just a pure audio-based form of creatorship to me, is masterful, right? So the different soundtracks that you have to develop, like the amount of sound edits that you have to put together, the amount of intricate sounds that you have to create, whether it's like communicating whether this is a day scene or a night scene or maybe this is an afternoon scene or maybe you're in the restaurant and there's cars driving by, you've been able to incorporate these incredible amounts of sounds that don't interrupt the flow of the dialogue or even in some cases the monologue of characters but also have become so complementary to the point where it's like you're teleporting your listener right there. And I think if you could give any advice to someone who's aspiring to take their, you know, um, I, I guess I want to say like maybe a podcast to the next level in, in terms of like storytelling, or it, it's not even just like, it could, it could be, it could be dialogue. It could be script. It could be written, or maybe it could just be like, you know, sonically, what advice would you give someone who's like primarily like a talk based podcast, right. And they're trying to transition into more of a theme, nonfiction, you know drama scripted podcast or just in that realm of creatorship what would be the advice from your standpoint rather right, as like a creator and as a writer and also be from your standpoint as a person who's looking to become a voice of a character and then create multiple characters with different dynamics what would you give what advice would you give to those creators
1: well in terms of storytelling i think the most important thing and this goes back to authenticity we like we were talking about before figure out the kind of story you want to tell what, what what do you want to do like what 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 do you want to accomplish by telling this story like for me i'm not really in it to send a message or anything like that my my what i want to do is i want to make people feel things right. i want to i want to drive people emotionally that's that's what i want to do so that's why my writing tends to be about family and it tends to be about relationships and friendships and the dynamics and the ups and downs and the ebbs and flows of of people and 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 all those different kinds of relationships that we all have because i think that's for me that's where that's a huge emotional driver and if i want people to feel those kinds of things and it can be it can be love it can be regret it can be anger it can be disappointment and it can hopefully it makes you laugh But that's, that's what I want to do. I want to, I want to elicit those kinds of emotional reactions. So knowing that that's how I construct my, my overall sort of the overall story arc. If I'm, if I'm outlining something and how, when you drill down, how I write individual interactions between characters. So I think that's really the key is figure out what you want to, why are you telling the story? Because once you figure that out, then I think you're going to be able to tell that story in the most effective way possible.
0: I love that. And, and for you, V, yeah. as someone the bringing these characters to life and now also lending yourself, not only just, you know, to the execution side, but also to the production side. Like wh- what would you give? What advice would you give to an inspiring podcaster or maybe just an audio creator who kind of lives on both sides, like of, of the game, mm-hmm. right? Like what advice would you give them in terms of character development and then also lending themselves and kind of taking the, 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 the actual voice actor, actress hat off and then living on the production side?
2: I would say that it's okay to start small. And it's also okay to make content that you never release. If you make some episodes just to see how it happens and to see if you can do it, you don't have to release everything that you make and that's okay. Um, Just try to take baby steps, Don't don't feel like you have to do all of the things at one time maybe focus on certain things. And then as you go, start moving into other areas and branch out. So don't feel like you have to master everything all at one time. Um, And then really the the show don't tell advice I think is very important because um, your audience will be able to figure out a lot of what you're trying to tell them. uh, So you can really build in some clever nuances and also develop a clear plan You know, if you are creating a story, how is that story going to end? Have an awareness of what the end goal is going to be before you start. You know, you don't want to be four episodes in and then realize you don't know where you're going with this. Uh, So really have a clear end goal so you can start to add in some force foreshadowing or, you know, start to tease where content is going to go. Or uh, if you're like Brad, you could, you know, make even your cast members completely confused about what is happening. And like, <laughs> I, I sometimes think I know what is happening. And then he's like, no, no, no. <laughs> so uh, we, we,
1: we call that a faint I love if, it. Uh, if, if, if you've ever done any boxing. You know, the, the, the ability to do, to do a good feint is very is very important. <laughs>
0: Yeah. that's incredible yeah. thank you so much for that insight as well they kind of put me in a mindset of like game of thrones where like all these characters are like giving like with their impressions of like the final table script read and they're like oh no i didn't know this was going to happen or this i'm like yeah, How did i didn't know um and I, I think that that gives so much more to look forward to not only just for the audience for us but also for an engaged cast as well to keep them on their toes and i think that just speaks to like really kind of the creative specialness that i think once upon a wasteland kind of brings to the industry and i think very few other podcasts and this is no disrespect i think we had some incredible winners but when i i'm, an, I'm a juror i'm a juror so yes i am i listen <laughs> and it was hard not to continue to listen to more episodes when i was judging it was hard to be like oh i'm gonna move on to this next entrant but damn this is getting good <laughs> like it was, <laughs> it was one of those things that drew me in and i honestly i was so like it made me look in in the mirror as an audio creator, as a podcaster and say, are you really pushing the the limits of this thing? Like, have you really tapped in to what this could be for a creative outlet for yourself? And I think that's the essence of anything that, like, any content that I ingest, or at least I try to um, intentionally, is to inspire me and to kind of intimidate me a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. There were parts where I'm like, how can I create this, 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 this amazing carousel of characters that not only push the, the, the storyline forward, but also this amazing array of production around it that makes you so captivated that you just want to run through the whole season right then and there on the spot. And so it's like, I think one of the things I kind of want to commend you on, both in the entire cast, is the realness that you bring to what it is. And so I think to myself, okay, the insight that you both just provided, and I, I, don't, want, I don't want you to give it away because I don't want to ruin it for people. I try, I try to speak so loosely about this because I don't want to ruin the experience. All I can say is this is an experience of audio that is rarely going to be matched at this level, this consistent consistently, and to this, to this amazing ability. But we spoke about knowing where you're going or having an ending and then working to that. Do we have a conclusion of where Once Upon a Wasteland is heading or is this thing just like, you know what, as long as it grows, we're going to add more layers and flesh more things out and make it more intricate?
1: Well, it's it's funny you should mention that. Uh, So (laughs) when I the, the way that I that I operate, the way that I always operate, I stop at the end of a season. Give myself a couple of months to decide what I want to do. Do I want to come back and do more or not? So I'm, I'm still, I'm right now in that wilderness period for making that decision for whether there's going to be another season or if I'm going to do something new or, or whatever. Um, oh, don't but. Joking, yeah. <laughs> well, no, I mean, now, if, if you listened all the way to the season, uh, the, the end of the, the season finale was a pretty definitive statement on. So I, I, and th- that's that's one thing because of that, I don't want to leave anybody hanging. So right. I so I wrote the season one finale and the season two finale so that if I decided that I didn't want to keep going, they would function as series finales, too. Now, wow. I, pay, I painted myself into a corner because the way that I ended season one, that epilogue at the end of season one was how I had pictured ending the show. Like, the the guys who did Lost said, okay, they knew the exact image that they wanted to end Lost with, and they did. I had the same thing. I'm like, okay, this is exactly it. This is the conceit that I want to use. And I'm like, but I don't know if I'm I'm coming back and I don't want to leave anything on the table. I, I want to throw everything out there that I have because I'm going to be mad at myself if there's something that I didn't do. So like, okay, I'm going to use that as the epilogue. And then I decided to come back, and I was like, "Okay, so how do I top that?" Because I thought it was—I I mean, I, I don't say this kind of thing often, but I—I I loved it. Like, it—it it, it turned out really well. My my own daughter was in it. Uh, mm-hmm. I did a voice in it, um, and it was oh. just—I I, just—I think it turned out really, really well. But then again, my, my thought was, well, and you don't always have to top yourself. But I thought, how do I how do I follow that up in season right. two? And I, I think I told I told Va I said I want to murder people with feelings like
0: oh. <laughs> uh,
1: and 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 I I did I called back to things that I brought up even in that that epilogue and right in the, the the scene that came before it in the, in that second season finale to to really just tie things together to, so that people can can listen to you, just kind of go ah oh. you know through yeah. through through horrific tears but but just like oh that like and and some of it i i didn't it's i didn't do it knowing that i was going to do it reference it in that big finale right but i wanted it to sound like i like I that was my plan all along that's that's one of the things if if, if you do it right and, and it's usually luck it can make you look way more clever than you actually are <laughs>
2: I think you also did something you also did something interesting though where in the prologue you kind of tell the audience what is going to happen and then you just fill in the details as we go through the season so I feel like uh, if you listen to that prologue which I don't know that everyone uh, that has listened to all the seasons have listened to the prologue the prologue kind of gives a lot away that you know you might not pick up on. Uh, So the audience kind of knows what the end is, and we're just filling in the middle. Mm
1: -hmm. And and that was actually, I'm glad you mentioned that, because that was another thing with the epilogue and another separate corner that I painted myself into. And although this one I looked at, I actually looked at it directly as a challenge for myself as a writer. In that epilogue, I tell people how the story ends. Like, I tell them how, like, what is the fate of these two characters? Like, I explicitly, like, there's no question about it so then it becomes i come back how do i make people want to listen even though they know how the story ends
0: wow. you know
1: and, and and i thought i took that I, I took that as a challenge for myself i'm like okay because i i tend to be really contrary in right. the way that i write i like to do things like that where it's like right. well, only only a maniac would do that why would you do that and and that's that's how i make some of these storytelling decisions like even the 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 formulation of this show so what is the least likely genre that video game fans are probably going to want to consume? <laughs> knowing that knowing that the the demographics of video game players and people who consume video game romance, one hundred percent. So I decided, well, that's what that's what I'm gonna do. That's gonna be the core of my story. So just things like that. I like to challenge myself like that. And then sometimes I look back and wonder what past Brad was thinking. But <laughs> but but I think it, it, it does it does kind of keep me on my toes and it, it, it makes you really focus on what you're doing and, and staying again, staying true to, to, to what you want to do. I mean, I'm a, I'm a comedy writer at heart. That's that's my background, but, and I, I do work some humor in, but really this is a story that's more emotional and more about, like I said, about characters and and relationships and family and all those kinds of things. So it's, it's, it's been fun to, to, to step into that kind of a thing and, and sort of stretch myself as a, as a, as a writer.
0: I think that's so well said, and I think for anyone who, you know, I try not to, like, I I try not to put spoilers in podcasts, like, whenever I know, I'm like, (laughs) oh, I want to, but I think, you know, obviously we'll, you know, have more of an opportunity to, you know, talk more about this, and I think uh, to where the pod is heading for where it started, I think anyone who, like, loves character development, who has uh, an affinity for, you know, uh, storyline for, has an affinity for, epilogues, monologue, like I, it, I can't think of anyone. It has something for everyone, right? And I know that's how how hard that is to do. And even you having, like, you could tell whoever whoever writes has a humor, a sense of humor, because even like, okay, you know, we'll just I, I'll just keep that that way. I'm just going to say, listen to the pod um, because Once Upon a Wasteland is most definitely one of those all times all time ones that I think five years from now, once if, even if it isn't concluded, it'll still be referenced as like a, a Note of what peak creativity can be for written podcasts, for scripted podcasts, but not only just for that, but just also for just sound design and just for overall pure audio quality. I think those are the things that I pull away all the time. Like I sometimes like I get so like I I get so emotional. Like I, I guess I would say emotionally engaged in describing how much creatorship goes into this one thing, and I think there's no better way to so to showcase and also like hold up one glowing example of what podcasting should be represented by. And this is most definitely one of those ones. So um, I think it's super incredible to have you all on. I'm super thankful. Before I let you all go, um, because I have someone like trying to get into my door for some reason, I'm mad. I wrote this time off. (laughs) So you might have heard a doorbell. Um, This is New York City. (laughs) Everyone, You never know who's trying to visit your door. Um, But yeah, so really quick, this is one thing I want to make sure I ask everyone is, what did you do to celebrate uh, your win for your inaugural signal award? What, what was the celebration like on your own? Like what was the one thing you did or didn't do that was like super important to you? Uh,
1: this is going to sound hokey, but the big thing for me was I wanted to express my appreciation to the cast and to everybody who made this possible. That wasn't me because I always say it's almost like uh, Captain Shaw in Star Trek. I'm I'm just some dude with a copy of Final Draft and a Mac with Logic Pro on it. None of this works without the people that bring these characters to life, and that's something that I always keep top of mind. So it, that was the most important thing to me. Like this isn't, you know, V and I have the statuettes, but really, it's so one comparison I like to make is. Uh, for Gold Gloves in baseball, right? It's supposed to be a, an award about defense. However, we all know if if you're a baseball fan that offense creeps into that, and sometimes, you know, that goes into the calculation of how people vote for Gold Gloves. This was we the the listeners' choice and the Silver Award that we we won were for writing, but it's obvious that it's the quality of the performances that brought that writing to life that really won these awards. So far as so far as I'm concerned, without V, without Letitia, without Lucy, without the all the guest people that we've had in, they are none of this is is going to be possible. So that was that was my big that was my big thing. And I, I did I did show it off. I was in Washington when when the statuettes came in. But as soon as I came home, I actually took one into my day job earlier this week so that i could show it off and Joe this is really heavy and you know it's 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 crazy the, the the here's here's talking about how you know i mentioned how professional and put together the signal awards seem to be to me right from the start compare a signal award to an emmy in terms of the, the quality of the statuette like this is a this is a real statuette and an emmy wow. is, the, is the biggest piece of junk you will ever put your hands on
0: Listen, this is, I am so oh, honored. No. <laughs> just, this is even formulating into the universe right now. go ahead. All right.
1: Yeah. No. I'm. I'm. I'm dead serious. They are not high quality statuettes. So. So
0: that 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 that, that just goes to show. God. I'm just. I'm just glad this is on record. <laughs> my go to clip for anyone who's asking about what single means to the winners. This is golden.
1: Well, I can't speak for Oscars though. I I've never held an Oscar, so I so I I don't know whether those are of the same quality.
0: Baby step. I'll, I'll go with it for now.
1: <laughs> but no, I mean it's it, it's it's just one of those things that I'm just I'm I'm so appreciative of it just external recognition is extremely difficult to get especially in this space. You know, every one of us, not just us, you struggle to get ratings on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You struggle to get reviews. Uh, so any kind of external recognition or validation like that, it means a lot. And, and like I said at the top, looking at the landscape of the different awards that, that, that we found out there, the Signal Awards really did feel like the the the, the one that we wanted uh, that, that that would have meant the most to us if we won. And then we did, and I was right. <laughs> it it meant the world to us so it, i i don't want to say that it that that kind of thing keeps you going because you do, you have to have a, a, that internal motor to keep doing it you you can't just do it for that you have to understand you have a story to tell or you have whatever it is that you want to accomplish as you're as you're doing this but it really does mean a lot to to get that kind of uh that kind of recognition and other people especially people that are that are jurors for the, for the signal awards or for the ambies for, or for 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 other awards these are people who who know who who know from whence they speak? You know these are you know, luminaries and experts in this area. So having that part and and I'll, and I will, the other thing that that really struck me and that made me a little verklempt I think was we we won the silver award which is panel judged yeah but but we also won the listeners' choice so mm-hmm. we got that recognition from the experts that I mentioned but we also ha- got had huge support from the community. To to, nice. to get that part of it because that's the thing you know I always say it's hard for us to win a popularity contest but our community came out and I mean you saw the other nominees in that category two Q code shows two realm shows and an Al Jazeera show if I remember correctly these are all big studios like Ed Charles Dance was was the 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 narrator for the Al Jazeera show and uh, Kieran Culkin was 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 in one of the Q code shows and uh, yeah it's it's like it's it's wild to to think about that but it's it, it shows i think that there is a place for creators like us people that i mean we're self-funded i don't even monetize like i don't i don't run ads i don't have a patreon I, I may at some point but like none of that stuff this is all self-funded these are all volunteers that are in the cast people that 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 dedicate a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of passion to do this and it shows that that that, that kind of storytelling works in this space and I it works in a way that doesn't work that it doesn't it doesn't work that way in film or in TV. Independent film is is a thing, it's a very big thing, but there's still a much higher barrier of entry for it. You can do this for free. We don't, but you can use a free DAW, you can use free podcast hosting. You can get free-to-use sounds and free-to-use music. All those kinds of things exist out there. Being able to pay for stuff definitely makes it easier. But you can do this for literally for only the amount of time that you can invest in it. And that is crazy. And you can, it, it's the story that matters. Being able to tell yeah. that story is, is really what people care about. And that makes this, this medium pretty pure, I think. And you see some of the, some of the bigger shows, like I'm a big fan of a lot of stuff on Q code, the, the storytelling. And obviously they have great immersive soundscapes and their casts are amazing. Yeah. But, but it's the stories that, that resonate with me. And so you have. It's nice to see that being consistent from something a production like ours and a production from from a studio like Q Code that I that I have such admiration for.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. I, I I just wanted to say thank you all for your time. I know we're running a bit over, and I just wanted to say I, I congratulations. And no one has summed up what Signal is outside of me. I think as consistently or as like in so many different ways. Not only did you sum it up, but you quantified it to the point where this is exactly what we, we aim to do. And honestly, I, I, I can't tell you how much, like, very much like the podcasting realm, what we do at Signal, a lot of it isn't for us, right? A lot of it is for the community. A lot mm-hmm. of it is for the space. And, you know, you there'll never be a dollar amount that can adequately kind of, you know, you can tag on to what we do. And I think that's the reason why I love this space so much that we're in for Signal and how well received it was. From people like yourself and just outside of the winners the jurors too everyone took this very serious this is a podcaster's podcast award i can't stress that enough uh, from entrants like yourselves to the jurors to our partners every single one of them believe in podcasts and they do a full-time job of making it not only just like their job but also their lifestyle because it naturally lends itself to who they are as people and i think so many great things come out of this and we're so lucky to have you all be a part of our inaugural year and forever more moving forward. And I just want to say one more time, congratulations on all of your incredible new accolades. And we're looking forward to honoring you more and you being a part of Signal moving forward. Um, And before we get out of here, if you'd like to plug anything, like feel free to just like throw it all out there. This is your platform. This is your moment. You've made me so much more emotionally grateful. (laughs) Like you made my week. So uh, feel free. If you have any tags or any upcoming things or events, uh, or if you're going to be outside anywhere and you would love for people to pull up on you, feel free to plug those
1: things away. V, go ahead. You're, you're, you, you have a much higher, oh, uh, sure. higher, higher and broader portfolio than I do. <laughs> uh,
2: on on all the social platforms, I am vitriol plays, and I do stream on Twitch, hoping to be more active uh, coming up on summer time. And I'm pretty active on Twitter, uh, also on Blue Sky recently. So. Uh, lots of good things coming up. I have been doing a lot of uh, auditions, so we'll see where that takes me.
0: And,
1: awesome. And and yeah, I, I'm also so the 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 show's Twitter is Once Upon Seventy Six Pod. My personal Twitter is Reticent Duet, uh, and you can also find me on Blue Sky uh, at Reticent Duet is my personal account, and OnceUpon.BSky.social. dot social. Is my is my profile there? Uh, I I do kind of want to get a little bit more. I did a YouTube live stream talking about the show a few weeks ago, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, it's it's nice to be able to interact in real time with people, so I, I want to do more more than that. But if you look for uh, Once Upon a Wasteland on YouTube, we do have a channel there. We have music selections. We have every episode uploaded. So if that's how people like to listen, like to consume podcasts, we're there too. Uh, and of course, you can find Once Upon a Wasteland on every popular podcast platform, as well as pretty much any unpopular podcast platform. Where if there's <laughs> one out there that we're not on, we don't know about it because we've we've tried to get out get out there as much as we can. But but yeah, it, and I I still do appear in the Modus Files. Uh, that's awesome. that's a show that they're they're about to release their season finale. Uh, I know Lawrence is editing that one, putting that one together right now. And yeah. uh, Oh, one other thing. Uh, This September, there is going to be a new uh, anthology podcast series called Frontier, which is based on Starfield, the new Bethesda property. Uh, I have been brought on to write one of the episodes for that. I, I forget if it's episode five or episode eight, but it's, it's one of the middle episodes. So that's, that's really exciting. It's, it'll be, it'll be interesting. And, and that will be one that I will only have to worry about writing for, which let me tell you is going to be a real, a real relief to only have to worry about, about that part of it, not sound design and editing and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Kenny, who, who runs that, who also runs the Chad podcast has, uh, incredible people that do the editing and sound design and music and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I'll be able to write the script and send it on and just kind of kind of let
0: it be. Incredible. Congratulations to you both. I am super excited to not only support myself on a personal level, but also through Signal. Um, anything that you send over to us, we will share with the Signal world as well. Thank you all so much. I'm looking forward to like checking out every single new thing, new endeavor that you all are coming off of. Um That's going to spawn from this incredible introdu- introduction that I had to you both, uh, which is Once Upon a Wasteland. So please check out the podcast because you're going to love it. And um anyone who wants to like jump in the group chat and kind of like share little nuggets here and there so we don't ruin it for everybody else and everyone new can kind of get that fresh feel that we got when we first enjoyed it for our very first time. Um Please do let us know. Uh, once again, thank you both b and V for being a part of this uh, second episode of The Signal I am more than happy to have you all back anytime you feel like, whether it's an individual or in tandem. Um, So in the meantime, we really appreciate you. Congratulations. And we'll most definitely share all of your new work that's coming out uh, with our signal audience. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much for having us.